0: You're listening to The Outfield with Eddie Robinson on Sirius XM OutCube. You told me about what you do, but tell our listeners, Trevor, what it is that you do, what it is specifically that you're involved with with your consultants.
1: Well, I think when we look at the the sports world, um, you know, when we think about the things that define great athletes, great coaches, great competitors, uh, really, in all walks of of, of sports whether it 's the national football league you know to crossfit um, I, I think typically we think about the um the physical needs and 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 tactical requirements of a sport. can you throw a ball, can you catch a ball can you you know all the different things can you strike a ball as a as an elite soccer mm-hmm. player um, But I think what we understand is is really being an athlete, particularly at a high level is a twenty four hour commitment I think it connects a lot of different elements of performance, so uh, how we sleep, um, how we eat, how we fuel ourselves, um, how we stretch, how we recover, uh, and I think a lot of it comes down also to how we think. Um, the psychological uh, aspect of, of sports in general, um, there's been a lot of different thoughts as it relates to what percentage of it, and, and some people will say 50, 60, 70 in my 16 years sort of being in this industry and then also growing up with, with a father who, who was one of the original uh, contributors to the Chicken Soup for the Soul book series, so really kind of being in it my whole life, I mm-hmm. think it's probably closer uh, to 3 to 5%. If you were to imagine a, a car, say so you have an H2, a great, great beautiful car with 28-inch rims and it's phenomenal, I think you'd look at the mind as the steering wheel. So it's really important to have a steering wheel that's going to take this beautiful car out the parking lot wherever you want it to go. But having said that, as important as that steering wheel is, if it's driving a Pinto, it doesn't matter much. So the physical piece is super important. Um, The tactical piece is that you understand how to execute and play your sport. And then I think when you layer the mind on top of it, it can become a a real powerful, unique value proposition to, to allow you to become the athlete you're capable of.
0: And on our conversation, folks, we're talking with um, mental conditioning and sports psychologist. His name is Trevor uh, Mawad, Mawad. And Trevor, you spoke on the phone with me about this winning mentality, quote unquote. You spoke about this a great deal during our conversation. Describe for our listeners this winning mentality. What are some things a player has to keep in mind to have this winning mentality, even when the chips are down, even when things... Like what happened to Russell Wilson in Super Bowl Forty Nine? How on God's green earth can anyone deal with or even attempt to overcome those kinds of pressures and still have what is called this winning mentality?
1: Well, I, I think a lot of times we we look at pressure as if it's a negative. I mean, there there really are, are, are two types of stress. There's eustress, uh, which is positive stress, and there's distress, which is negative stress. So. Pressure is a word, just like attitude. Attitude. That guy has an attitude. Well, attitude is just really a, a, a statement. Is it a is it a great attitude? Is it a negative attitude? Is pressure positive or negative? You're not going to get anything meaningful in the sports world, or really in life, that you don't have to work for and earn. Uh, the sports world's not like the lottery where um, you know you you give a dollar and you have a chance to make five hundred million. You've got to put a lot into it, and and the bigger the stakes, the the more uh, You know, powerful the opportunity, and and with a great opportunity, uh, a lot of people are going to be competing for that same opportunity. So, uh, Billie Jean King, uh, I remember uh, hearing a conversation she had with Maria Sharapova, and and she told Maria uh, when Maria was sort of driving to become a champion at 17, 18, 19 years old that that pressure Mm -hmm. was a reflection of ambition, and I I don't think that pressure needs to be negative. And I think it can be super positive, and I think it's all in how we look at it. I think the second thing, um, when we think about the mind, um, there are just basic rules that have nothing to do with what Eddie thinks or what Trevor thinks or what anybody else thinks. We, we all have a dialogue with ourselves, and it's been estimated that we are communicating at a subconscious level with ourselves somewhere between 800 to 1,400 words a minute. And no matter what I I say, if I'm sitting out there right now and I say, well, I don't think I talk to myself, you would be talking to yourself while you asked yourself the question. We all do. And that dialogue uh, is is really critical because whatever I tell myself ultimately is what I believe. Think about it like a TV show. My, My favorite TV show was a show called Parenthood, and it was an hour long, but it was really only 42 minutes of programming. The other 18 minutes were commercials. And as much as we think about that other 18 minutes, which is ultimately advertising, as much as we think about Pepsi or Coca-Cola or Forever 21 or all these different companies that advertise, um, they're powerful and, and, and they can affect us just like coaches can affect us and people can affect us in the media. But the science tells us that what we tell ourselves and what we believe to be true is 10 times more powerful than what anybody else around us can tell us. So whether I throw an interception at the one-yard line or whether I win two national championships in a row or or whatever I believe to be true about my circumstances is the reality. And at at the end of the day, I think um, when you make a mistake in a big moment, you're accountable and you're responsible, but you decide whether that moment defines you. And I think as you've, you've seen with Russell Wilson, who had arguably one of the best seasons of a professional Quarterback this year and will be playing in the Pro Bowl. That moment didn't define him. His best was ahead because of what he did after that moment. And I think you're going to see a lot more great things that happen that will define who he is. But you can't you can't steal second base with the foot on first. You have to take risks uh, in order to be a great athlete, great competitor. And uh, when you take risks, sometimes uh, you know you're going to be on the other side of it.
0: How does, and folks, we're talking with mental conditioning consultant Trevor Mawad at 866 305 6887. If you have a question or comment you'd like to ask Trevor, by all means, but feel free to give us a call here at the outfield. How much, Trevor, does clearing out the clutter in your mind help in terms of getting that high performance as an athlete? I understand so many of us have so much going on in our mind. Will I get this, you know, paycheck? Can I, you know, improve, you know, in terms of, you know, getting involved in the Olympics? You know, there's so much craziness happening in our minds. All the clutter. Does is does clearing up that clutter help in communicating with ourselves so that we can have that high performance level?
1: That's a great question. I I think you know, can we block things out, or, or, or more importantly, how do we think about the right things at the right time? Right. There's a physiological law called the law of substitution, and it basically says we can only think about one thing at a time. And, again, it kind of comes back to that inner voice. Um, and, and that inner voice, I, I can't emphasize it enough, no matter what you do. You know, I'm, I'm married uh, to, to a model, and, and, and she is in an industry that everybody around you is negative, talks about your weight and talks about your size. And, 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 but at the at, at, you know, most importantly is, is what does she think? And I think when we're looking at a circumstance or, or a situation, let's say we're running a marathon and we're into mile 19, mile 20, how, how do we block out the fatigue? I, I heard a guy, John Gordon, say, are you willing to to talk to yourself and tell yourself what you want, or are you going to listen to yourself and be surrounded by the doubt that we all face? At the, at the simplest level, Michael Johnson, the great Olympic athlete who, who's a longtime friend of mine was number one in the world from 1990 to 2000. And I think people always ask, how did you learn this industry or, or the, the field of mental conditioning or sports psychology? What I would say is success leaves clues. People that have been successful for any period of time or even when anybody listening to the show has had moments of success and we've all had them, there are a lot of clues. And a lot of times it it's obviously comes down to our preparation and our sleep and how we ate and all those other things. But we also... It's a lot of it's how we communicate ourselves with ourselves. And, and, and this is the truth. You can't block things out, but you can think about the right thing at the right time. So, what I tell myself, whenever I speak to myself, it creates a picture in my mind. That picture is three dimensional. I'm tired. I don't want to be here. I hate work today. God, it's hot out here. I'm excited. This is my moment, this is my time. I'm at the three-yard line. Hey, this is our opportunity. Let's say we're going out. We've got 97 yards to go. Look how much field space I have. This is our opportunity to to have one of the biggest drives in the history of our team. Or, oh, my God, I'm at the three-yard line. Look at all the negative things that can happen. Look at their defense. Mm -hmm. Again, so much of it comes down to how do I explain a situation to myself. But going back to Michael Johnson, Michael said something to me. He was talking to 15 guys getting ready for the NFL draft, and he said, Think about it like a, a a grocery store. How many of us walk into a grocery store without a list? And a bunch of the guys started laughing, and we thought about it. And, and how successful can you be if you enter that grocery store without a very specific plan as to what you're going to do and what you want? And so much of it is about reminding myself the keys that are going to allow me to succeed in this moment. So for that quarterback, it's it's my footwork. It's going through my progressions. It's staying in the moment. It's not broad. At one level, yeah, I can do this, but it's very specific about what do I need to do now. And when my mind is locked on a specific thought about looking for that receiver's hips to drop or going through my progression, if I can only think about one thing at a time, then any other thought about the magnitude of the moment, the 300 million people watching, whatever they're yelling, the crowd, um, it just can't exist in that moment because the brain doesn't process information that way one thing at a time. And, and I think that that's powerful. And we give too much value to people outside of us. And um, when we, we, we need to give a lot more value to ourselves. And as important as the coaches are around us, the most important coach truly exists in our own mind and, and the way we speak to ourselves and how we explain our own life and our own situations to ourselves.
0: 866 305 6887, mental conditioning consultant for over 20 or so odd NCAA and professional sports organizations nationwide. Trevor Moad of, uh, of Moad Consulting Group.com on the phone right here at SiriusXM's The Outfield. I saw you on ESPN uh, last week, and I it just really dawned on me in terms of I've got to get this guy on the show and ask him this question as it relates to gay athletes. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you a story. During a press conference, during a recent press conference, the post-game press conference of quarterback Cam Newton, he started naming members of the Carolina Panthers staff and the coaches, what you just mentioned, the coaches, about how much they meant to him in building up that player-coach relationship on a team. Even teammates shared the same thought process as Cam. Cam stated that there were coaches on the team who not only cared about a player on the field, but cared about them off the field. The coaches asked about their wives, asked about their kids, how they were concerned about them as a human being. There was a human element attached to their careness for the player. And it helped in the successfulness of Cam Newton. And to me, I found that to be revolutionary. If I had coaches back in the day who cared for my well-being both on and off the field, I would probably have been considered to play football professionally but I was scared of being found out. I was scared of being discovered that I liked other men, that I preferred to be with other men. And inside the locker room, I noticed players who talked about their families, who were dating and whatnot, and I would always remain silent. I didn't want to talk about any of that with my peers, with my teammates, much less a coach. So by realizing how much that meant to quarterback Cam Newton and his success, going into Super Bowl 50, don't you believe that it is an important factor for a teammate who's closeted for him to share openly his thoughts, his background, his orientation to a coach, to a teammate, in order for him to embrace what's going on mentally so that he can concentrate and win football games?
1: You know, I think that's a a, a great question. And and for me, at least from, from, from my perspective in my sort of 16 years being involved in professional and college sports, I don't think uh, there's an easy answer to that. I think what I've noticed uh, of late, at least in my experience in pro football, is the environment itself is brutal in the sense that um, coaches, many coaches aren't lasting 10 or 11 months. I've had good buddies of mine that have become head coaches that uh, aren't able to get things done and win, and they're out in, in 10 or 11 months. We just saw it happen again in San Francisco Um, The statistics show that that most players, only 3 in 10 are making it to a fourth year or a fifth year. Um, And so when I think of the the locker room and I think of the environment, Mm -hmm. I've never really seen a place where there is a lot of sharing that goes on. And and, and I know Cam and I respect Cam, and and I think a lot of this comes down to um, your personality and, and how your personality needs to feel um, and express itself in order to be at its best. I've noticed that um, in a locker room, the, typically a lot of guys are, are very private and that you'll have a couple ping-pong tables and guys will spend time together. And I've been uh, in environments where we've taken team trips, um, you know, where you, the team travels to Hawaii and, and, and there's luau's and guys are, are, are hanging out and they're dancing. But it's amazing how many guys don't really talk about much. And it's amazing um, how the National Football League values and privacy, and it's really looking for um, the things that bring you together as opposed to the things that might make you different. So I think it's – if I'm a private person, um, then anything that relates to my sexual preference or my religious preferences or or what I do on or off the field – um, I think is less important. If I'm somebody like, a, let's say, a Chad Johnson or Chad Ochocinco, or if I'm a, a personality that wants to share, wants to be open, um, then I think that's going to be a, a, a tougher thing. If, if you were to ask me if I thought um, being in a locker room and, and, and other athletes knowing that you were gay was a negative, I would, I would tell you that I, I, I don't think that it would be a significant issue. I think people look at the Missouri situation with Michael Sam, and, and, and I don't know um, all the specifics about it, but people were shocked that it, you know, throughout his duration in Missouri, it was something that really never became public. Um, but that didn't surprise me at all, because coaches and leaders are, are looking to build the consensus and the shared vision about who we want to be going forward, the things that that, that uh, we have in common together, uh, overcoming our difficult circumstances, the people outside that doubt us, the, you know, for Carolina, we were three and seven last year. Nobody gave us a chance and look who we are and, and, and all the commonalities that, that make us, uh, similar. And, and, um, so I, it, it, it's an interesting question. Um, yeah. and, and, and not one that I can easily answer. I, for, for me as a specialist in what I do, um, yeah. We're trying to create the, the common vision um, for for who we want to be and, and how we want to be going forward. And that's not there's no effort to suppress who you are individually. Uh, what you're trying to do is build the commonalities and the, the shared responsibilities and shared goals that make us a team. and And I think family and who we are fits into that. and I also think that the, the broader goals of, of what my job is on the team and, and executing my role, at the end of the day, as bad as it sounds, um, you know, nobody really cares much about your backstory. It's all about what can you do to help this team win. And if you're capable of doing that, no matter what your backstory is, no matter how different you may or may not be, um, you're going to play and you're going to be on the team.
0: Mental conditioning consultant for over 20 NCAA and professional sports organizations and one of the most recognized experts in the field of mental conditioning and sports psychology. His name is Trevor Mouad. Trevor, thank you so much for being a part of the outfield. It's, it's, a, it's very much so a very intense conversation as it relates to gay athletes moving forward, but that personality element, that personality element really hits home. For me, at least, in terms of understanding if you are a pseudo Cam Newton-esque kind of a player, if you are a pseudo sort of Jason Collins-esque type of a player on an NBA team, you know that could very well help in terms of saying, look, this is who I am. This is what I'm all about. And you had, you, we were talking about Robbie Rogers and I believe you uh, actually worked with him prior to him coming out along with a lot of, uh, of his other teammates. In Robbie's book, Coming Out to Play, he mentions that it was in London when a coach who basically blurted out after a match that they all played like faggots. That's what broke the camel's back for Robbie Rogers. And, Rob, and, and Robbie from that point on, mentioned in his book, how his personality, if you would, started shining, and that experience sort of pushed him into coming out of the closet and writing a letter and you know, bringing out statements and whatnot and that kind of a thing, but he didn't hire a PR guru. He didn't hire a big entourage of folks, you know, kind of a thing, but that's what he decided to do, and it was those experiences that sort of lit a fire Inside of him, that said, "Enough is enough," and I just find it fascinating that you know you you know had been around Robbie Rogers prior to him coming out, and you didn't even have any kind of clue as to him being you know a gay athlete.
1: Well, and I, I think this the, probably the 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 most interesting way to look at it, and and uh, I think just in general, as we uh, all of us right, I, the the common theme is is
0: uh, yeah, moving
1: in this show is we're talking to athletes and, and, and trying to make it. And and one of the things, let's say you're in an environment where you've got a very difficult male or female head coach and they're, they're challenging and they're tough and they're, 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 they're pushing you in in ways that are uncomfortable Um, or let's say they're super negative. Um, One of the things that, that I've tried to help athletes understand is to, to build an acceptance for the environment and Hey, um, because we, we deal now with environmental athletes, you put them into certain environments that are very positive or they're very encouraging, and they they can succeed. But they get into more difficult, challenging environments, and they struggle. Um, the problem is that you know with that, when you're drafted or you're you, a lot of times you don't have control over where you play. It's not a not a free market economy. You end up sort of where you end up. Um, I've learned that when we accept certain things about our environments, like okay in um, particularly in team, you know, in, in team sports. Uh, in individual sports, it's completely different um, because we're responsible and accountable for ourselves. But in a team, in, in a team environment, there's a lot of different factors to to consider. Um, ultimately, as they relate to my performance. But I think also the biggest thing that I would tell people, <clears throat> it, at, 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 any, at any level, regardless of uh, of where you're at in your career, is try to keep as much control of your own future uh, in your own hands. Because as soon as we become helpless, we become hopeless. And at the end of the day, I control how I sleep. I control how I prepare. I control what people uh, know about me. I control how I fit into a a, a team dynamic, how I prepare, how I compete, how I communicate with myself. And my ad campaign – my ad campaign, what I believe to be true about myself, what I believe to be true about my future, that is the most important thing. That is more important than anything else. And I can be in in very difficult environments. And if my beliefs are strong, uh, I can succeed. And uh, I think that that's important. And the best athletes, the best competitors, um, no matter what their personalities uh, are, are like. I, I think that's the commonality that make the great ones great. They never give up control of their future, and even when they're in difficult environments around challenging teammates who say a lot of ignorant things, um, yeah. they don't take those things personal. They understand that that's their issue. At the end of the day, what I control is what I do and how I respond and who I am Going forward. Don't, don't miss the outfield Sundays, 11 a.m. East, 8 West on Sirius XM LQ.